Greetings once more from Elfie's World. <laughs> this is the place where we try to bring you a little fun, pique your interest, and maybe, maybe even give you an opportunity to learn a thing or two about history. <laughs> oh, hey, it's so great to have you with us today. Yeah, my name is Elfie Wolfram, and I hope you enjoy our presentation. Today, we're going to be presenting another program from our collection of stories entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, these are true stories which have either eh, maybe been overlooked or sometimes been not given quite the attention they deserve by the potentates of history. We're going to leave it to you to decide why they've been neglected in the annals of time. This is episode number 10 and it is entitled, The Real Mr. Coffee. Now for this one, you might want to just pause this story for a moment, go get yourself a cup of coffee, then come back, relax, and enjoy both that cup of coffee and our story. It is the second largest commodity sold in the world today. Is it gold? No. Is it wheat? Oh, no. Surely it isn't condensed frozen orange juice. Yeah, that's right, it's not. Well, then what could it be? Well, would you believe coffee? <laughs> Where did this beverage come from? And how did it grow to such importance worldwide? Well, legend has it, the origin of this magical being can be traced back to an Ethiopian goat herder by the name of Goldy about a thousand years ago. One day, he noticed some of his goats leisurely chewing on a bush that he had never seen before. Well, after consuming some of those shiny red berries from that bush, Goats became very excited and started dancing around in an almost frantic state. Well, being a curious nature, Caldy decided to try tasting some of those berries himself. And soon he became the happiest goat herder in all of Arabia. Well, one day, a passing monk observed Caldy and his goats. It seems the monk had been having trouble staying awake during his prayers. He noticed that when he ate Caldy's berries, he no longer nodded off during vespers. Then, this unnamed monk got an idea. Why not dry the berries and boil them in water? Well, his fellow monks acclaimed his creation as a gift from God, for it sharpened their senses as well. Oh, and in addition, they loved the taste. And just like that, coffee was born. By the year 1100 CE, coffee trees were being cultivated all over the Arabian Peninsula. People were brewing the beans into a beverage they called gawa. Its popularity slowly began to spread. 
1475, the world's first coffee shop was opened in Constantinople. But the uh, growing of coffee was still very prudently confined to the Middle East, where the plants were jealously guarded like precious jewels. By 1600, the taste of coffee had become so popular among Catholics, many advisors to Pope Clement VIII urged him to denounce the beverage as demonic. However, <laughs> after sampling this succulent brew, the Pope declared, This Satan's drink is so delicious that it would be a pity to let the infidels have exclusive use of it. <laughs> Taking aggressive action against the devil, the Pope proceeded to bless the coffee bean, making it a truly Christian beverage. He concluded it was better for the people than alcoholic beverages that they had been consuming. There was no stopping coffee now. By 1652, the first coffee house was opened in England. Now, these coffee houses were called penny universities. The charge for admission was one penny, and this included a cup of coffee. Soon, the coffee house became the place for businessmen to congregate and conduct their affairs. Now, one of the most popular such establishments was Edward Lloyd's Coffee House, which opened in 1688. This was especially fashionable for merchants who shipped their products around the world. Now, not wanting to accept the total risk of loss of their products on the dangerous sea voyages of the time, they would seek out others to partake in the financial risk. Merchants would offer to pay an investor a fee who was willing to share in the risk of transporting their goods abroad. Now, placing notices on the walls of that coffee house, they would ask investors to write their names under those goods they were willing to assure the risk of safe delivery. They became known as underwriters. Thus, the first property insurance was born. From this practice, which began in Edward Lloyd's coffee house, sprang the modern-day property insurance of today. Now, you may know the company which grew out of this practice, which was conducted in that coffee house over 330 years ago as Lloyd's of London. Another practice, which began in those days of the early coffee houses, was originated by those customers who wanted better service. To capitalize on that desire amongst those early coffee drinkers for a speedier cup of coffee, a tin cup was set out with a sign saying, To Ensure Prompt Service. For those who put a copper in that cup, they got a better seating and a hotter cup of coffee. Soon the sign was shortened from to ensure 
prompt service to merely read T-I-P-S. And thus, to this day, we continue the practice of giving tips to assure prompt service. And so, the love for this magical beverage has grown around the world. By 1995, coffee had surpassed tea as the most popular beverage in the world. Today, over 2.5 billion cups of coffee are served worldwide every day. In many countries, employers are mandated to provide coffee breaks for their employees by the unions. Oh, and what country leads the world in coffee consumption? <laughs> well, uh, no, no, it, it's not the United States. According to the 2018 World Atlas, that title goes to Finland, where they consume a remarkable 26.4 pounds of that delicious brew per person every year. As for the good old U.S. of A., well, we rank a lowly 25th in the worldwide consumption of coffee, consuming a mere 9.3 pounds of coffee per person per year. But uh, perhaps the most amazing fact concerning coffee is this. There is one man who deserves the title Mr. Coffee. And what great feat did he accomplish to warrant that title? <laughs> well, why would one man deserve such an imposing title? <laughs> well... On every coffee plantation and farm in Costa Rica and many other Central American countries, the following story is told as gospel. In the 18th century, coffee plants were among the most coveted possessions in all of Europe. Only the very, very rich or the most powerful had possession of the plant which created that magical bean. Now, one of those fortunate enough was the mayor of Amsterdam. Now, wanting to make a favorable impression, he made a gift of one of his coffee plants to King Louis XIV of France. It immediately became the crown jewel in the king's royal botanical gardens in Paris. But there was one man who coveted that plant more than life itself. His name was Gabriel Matthew Dessieux, a French naval officer whose home was in the French colony of Martinique, a Caribbean island in the New World. When Gabriel Dessieux saw the plant, he immediately had a vision. He saw his entire home island covered with this marvelous plant. And so, 
he implored the king for just one small coffee plant to take back to his home island. The king's answer was a swift and final no. But Desieux was not to be detoured. In the dead of night, he slipped into the king's botanical garden and stole a few precious cuttings from one of the coffee plants. Then he quickly rushed back to his ship and fled the country before the king discovered his actions. Off he sailed for Martinique with his precious cargo. This would prove to be the most perilous journey the young naval officer had ever taken. First, his crew threatened mutiny. <laughs> then, his ship was attacked by savage pirates. It was even almost sunk by a horrendous storm. And all the while, Gabriel protected his little budding plant with his life, securing it safely from all harm in a glass cabinet. At long last, his ship arrived safely in Martinique. And what happened to that one tiny little coffee plant? Well, amazing as it may sound, it survived. Not only did it survive, it flourished. Soon, much of the island of Martinique was covered with coffee plants. And uh, what was the reaction of the King of France when he discovered what that young naval lieutenant had done? <laughs> Well, at first, King Louis was furious. However, when he saw the coffee industry begin to flourish on Martinique, he forgave all past sins and rewarded Gabriel by making him the governor of the entire colony. Soon, coffee began to be raised in every other part of Central America. And then it spread to South America. Today, coffee from Central and South America is among the finest in the world. And according to many sources, every one of those millions upon millions of coffee plants to be found in Central and South America today is a direct descendant of that single plant, which Gabriel Matthew Desieux stole from the King's Garden in 1720. <laughs> and so... Millions of people throughout the world look forward to starting every morning with a piping hot cup of coffee made from the coffee beans grown in the Americans. And it was all because of one military officer, Gabriel Matthew Destre, the original 
Mr. Coffee. Amazing and aromatically true. Well, there you have it. That was program number 10 entitled The Real Mr. Coffee, part of our weekly series entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales. Now, every week, we will be presenting for your enjoyment and edification a brand new audio story from our collection of amazing but true tales from history. Now, some of these stories come from our book entitled Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More. As a listener to this program, you are entitled to purchase autographed copies of our original book, Elfie's Amazing But True Tales of American History and More, at half the publisher's price of $13.95 or a mere $7 per book. And that includes shipping and handling. Well, for more information, merely go to elfiesworld.com. That's A-L-F-Y-S-W-O-R-L-D, elfiesworld.com, and click on Elfie the Writer for more information. And now, I would like to thank the following for helping to make this program possible. First, Garrett Wolfram, our technical producer and supervisor. The late Irene Wolfram principal editor and provider of Sage Council. Expert publishing for their help in editing and publishing our book. Lucas Ganza Anna Waltz for the Parlor Guitar Magic Set. Hoyne Tomish for the Piano Introduction. Dee Demizic for Breakfast Piano Jingle. Piotr 1, 2, and 3 for Jazz Piano Introduction. And finally, the thousands of readers who have supported our efforts from the beginning. 